Hello, and welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and I know a little bit about technology, but I want to learn more. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. Today, Gabby, who are we talking to? Today, we're talking to Nicole Clark, CEO and co-founder of Trellis Research, a legal analytics platform that uses AI and machine learning to provide litigators with strategic legal intelligence and judicial analytics. Nicole is a business litigation and labor and employment attorney who has handled litigation in both state and federal courts. She has worked at a variety of law firms ranging from mid-sized litigation boutiques to larger firms and is licensed to practice law in three states. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for, for having me here. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, so before we kind of get into Trellis Research, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into legal, and then also kind of the transition to legal tech and, and you know, what kind of started Trellis Research? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I was a litigator for a number of years, uh, practiced at different litigation boutiques, primarily in employment and class action work. And so I was at the state trial court level constantly. And uh, really, that was sort of the the impetus for Trellis was my own practice and um, that I just couldn't believe it was so difficult to access information at the state court level that, you know, we would start out uh, seeking information on judges by email internally at the firm. And so the idea sort of started percolating for a number of years that I just knew that legal could be utilizing data to make better decisions. And the the real uh, impetus story was I, I was pulling an all-nighter writing this MSJ, and I was complaining, as I often do. And I uh, was talking to a colleague, and I just didn't know sort of how to organize this particular motion and how to structure it. And I didn't know anything about the judge. And he said that he thought he had appeared before my judge a couple years earlier. And we went and we checked the file and he had a ruling that was by my judge on my issue, on my motion. And for me, it was like, how is it possible that this data exists? And here we don't have access to it. We're we're doing all of our research, the tiny corpus of sort of you know, court of appeals data when we're all practicing in trial courts and we don't really have the ability to do the practical research. And it's not because the data is not there. It's just simply because no one has sort of aggregated it and made it searchable and usable. And so that was really, uh, you know, my own frustration in, in my practice was what led to Trellis. And then just as a core to, to say a little bit about what Trellis is. So um, we, I like to think of us as sort of a Google for state trial court data. So right now, if you were to try to get any information from uh, a particular uh, county court, you're going onto the court's website, you are lucky if you can get anything, but you certainly have to start with a docket number, a case number. Um, And there's really no way to search across both uh, matters within a particular county or across counties, across states, across the nation. And so from a high level, I I like to think of Trellis as almost the way you think of PACER as sitting on top of federal court data. 
But Trellis is there bringing in all of that fragmented state trial court data into one searchable interface. And then because we have all of this really difficult to acquire data, then we're able to do analytics on how state trial court judges rule um, and other information specific to state court practices. I think that's so interesting. Um, I like technology a lot, and I think that your platform and your offering is is very different. Um, I, I love the term that it's the you know being able to Google search for these you know state trial records with dockets ruling and filed documents across counties and states through one single interface. And I think that's what you guys are doing, and it's very different. And I like your term on uh, smart search technology, but. I I kind of want to dive into that more. So for people that have no idea what what that means, so for people that are hearing that, what is that? How how does the everyday person maybe utilize this? And if it's not for the everyday person, who is this for? Who would really take advantage of this platform? That's a, that's a great question. And I would say it, it is. It's for your everyday uh, litigator generally. And so the way to think about it is the, the data itself on, on a county court's website is totally, um, it, it's, it's not structured. It's not normalized. It is really just fragmented raw data in every different format you can imagine. And so it's impossible as even, even a, a human or a machine on that unstructured data to be able to make sense of it. And so part of what we do is we bring in an example would be case types. So every court does uh, list their case types differently. There's no uniformity at the state trial court level. And so some uh, call it as a, a number, some call it a particular case type. And what we have to do is really create our own normalization and structured system where we map all of this different fragmented data back into really trellis case types where then someone can say, okay, I want to search a a labor and employment wrongful termination case. And then not only be finding that maybe at a particular court level, but every court that has classified uh, some variation of a wrongful termination matter you're going to be able to get into. So the smart search really is the essence of us actually structuring this data by particular party, by law firm, by case type, by judge, and then by legal issues. And then what we allow you to do is slice and dice that data. So, okay, great. Now we have all of these different structured classifications. Well, show me everywhere where Judge Nietu has heard a wrongful term case uh, where the verdict was granted, right? And now you're able to pull very specific subsets of data that are entirely practical to whatever you're looking for right now. So, for the for the average uh, user, the way that they think about Trellis is coming in with these types of main uh, sort of use cases, which is judge analytics, judge research. So granular judge research, my judge, my legal issue. How have they ruled on that in the past? Um, opposing counsel research. What are all of their cases that they're fighting right now? In what counties? Who do they represent? And then dig deeper. Um, look at their dockets. Are they going to trial? Are they more of a demand shop? This is all information that previously we're sourcing maybe by anecdote, but probably just by guessing. Um, and so it's now a way to put some hard data behind that and say, actually, 
No, uh, listen, client, th- this does appear to be more of a demand shop. We have an opportunity to settle here, but we can also push it. Or it looks like these folks only settle after MSJ. That means we're going to have to push forward. And so there's a way to really be strategic in your litigation across the board for whatever type of litigation you're doing. But by having some of the uh, prior matters, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of cases, which is really where AI comes into place here. I know it's such a buzzword. And um, so, so many times I actually don't even don't even talk about it when I'm talking to lawyers, because it's not really the important part. The important part is sort of getting the information you need when you want it. Right. And getting service, the, the right information. But AI really is an awesome use case for legal because it is an industry with millions of data points where a human can't possibly go through and gather the insights from it. And uh, so it, it is really sort of how you deal with an overload of information. And then smart search would be get to the core of what are you really searching for and make sure that the right results come up the highest. Similar to Google, right? They're always perfecting their algorithm to try to get you to the right answer the fastest. And sometimes it'll be annoying because they'll like finish your sentence for you while you're trying to type a search in and you're like, that's not what I want. But generally they really have perfected both by watching what users do, how long they stay on certain uh, documents or or, uh, websites and then what they went to and really always sort of working to get users to the, the right data the fastest. And all of that layered on top of the core of just our trial court system, which is where uh, it's the largest court system in the world. And it is just to think about the difference between state and federal. So for every one case filed in federal court, there are 30 cases filed in state trial courts. So it is where all of the litigation is taking place, but historically where it's been impossible to find out information because it was so fragmented and separated by county. That's... uh... It seems that you are providing such a service that I'm so surprised it hasn't existed before. I mean, how and and me being the one who's very new to legal tech, um, you know, I think that a lot of these things are kind of emerging where you're mixing new technologies, like you said, AI with some practices that now seem very like archaic. But I'm wondering, what were some of the biggest challenges you had as a company kind of merging those two things, um, the practices in legal, but then trying to implement these new technologies? What were some of the biggest challenges? And then how did you work around those? So the challenges are ongoing. It, it is sort of, especially in startup land, you are putting out fires and, and fighting giant challenges all day, every day. Um, in terms of the, the, the technical aspects, so I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm not a developer. I did not have a background in engineering. So the best uh, best thing I could do was to bring on a team that was way smarter than I am. Um, and so uh, I would say that was sort of challenge one, right? How do you get really great engineers interested in solving this massive problem? 
when it's a it's a legal research, right? It's not necessarily as sexy as some of the other uh, startup ideas out there. But when you think about how much it impacts society as a whole and the ability to have some transparency into our data, it really is a, a core important mission to to create better access into the the court system. So one, yeah. I would say, just having great engineers and then the combination of someone who has domain expertise who understands one, where to find the data, right? An engineer wouldn't even know how to go to a court and find out where this information is hiding. Then they wouldn't know what's important about it. You know, what are what's the insights that actually matter to lawyers? It's not always intuitive. Uh, it is a very nuanced practice in a lot of different ways. And so the the team is core. You have to be able to have folks that have insight and then mixed with the experience and um, there's the the pure skill. And I would say that the one of the, I mean, there's a, probably a variety of reasons that this hasn't um, been done yet, but the fact that it hadn't been done yet and that I had the exact same thought as you did, which is how is it possible? And if I look forward in five years, 10 years, will this be here? Of course. It's like a no brainer that you'll be able to search our trial court system. So then let's let's start. Let's let's get it going and, and be the company that does it. And the reason that no one did before was because it's hard. It really is. It's not, you know, PACER is the federal court system. It is one structured system. You go in, you you dig, you you take that, and then it's great to run analytics. And most of the time when you see companies and they're talking about any kind of analytics, whether it's judge analytics or litigation analytics, they're talking about the federal courts. And the reason is because that data started out structured. And so you can then apply analytics on top of it and, and do fun stuff, but you're starting with a core set. So for us, the creating of the data set in the first place is really the starting place. So um, at a core level, data acquisition is a huge focus for the business, um, and that is a constant struggle. So not only do we have to uh, create entirely separate code and separate systems for every single county, every single county is totally different, but then sometimes the counties have three separate websites where you have to combine everything into one. So there's a variety of interesting obstacles county by county. Um, but it's not only the sort of grabbing all the historical data, structuring it, but then it's how you keep it coming in in a structured basis going forward. Because when someone searches the site, they expect to see the most recent docket, the most recent documents. And, you know, as as lawyers and as a legal industry, I think we all have a very low tolerance for um let's call it errors or, or, you know, so it's an interesting yeah. thing because we were dealing with this like really difficult problem and massive amount of data. And where we have users that have the expectation that of course I should have access to this and it should be easy. And they don't see any of the toil and labor that gets into making that docket appear for them in real time with all the updated information and tracking that counsel to all of their other cases and all of that. So I'd say that the, the core obstacles are, are data and structuring and classification. Um, and then you're dealing with the next, which is the market, which is another obstacle. We are a tech resistant market. And it's just, you know, it's getting better, yeah. but that's where you're starting from. And you can't just ignore that. You have to know what you're dealing with and go in. And one of the ways that we have dealt with that is to avoid the sort of really slow sales cycle only into very large law firms. Instead, we've created 
created really sort of a, a freemium, a free trial product where you Google your judge, you'll get into judge data. And then from there, you'll start to say, oh, what other cases does my judge have? And you'll end up in the product, seeing the value of the product yourself and then deciding, is this something that I should try out? Is this something useful? And so we don't have to go in and sell you. It kind of allow the users to get in and convince themselves of the value of the data which makes the, the sale much, much easier. And for a, for a smaller company starting out, we don't have to have a massive sales team that's hunting you know, giant whale deals, but instead we can have something that moves forward that your SMB lawyers can get behind and start growing. And I, I would say SMB, especially in, in legal tech is a market that's forgotten a lot. Um, there's, you know, we all sort of think of the giant law firms and the, the brands, and those are great and they're bragging rights and they're really helpful, but there's hundreds of thousands of attorneys. In fact, 70% of litigators are actually at firms, 10 lawyers and under. So it's really mm. the core of the market that we don't necessarily know, but the problem is how do you sell to those people? And so we've, we've really uh, cracked a nut in being able to get the people in organically into the site that otherwise you, it wouldn't be cost effective to sell into one by one with an individual salesperson. Yeah. And I think that also kind of talks to how you feel about your product. I mean, you clearly believe in your product and your product clearly can do what you say it does, or you wouldn't have that sort of try it before you buy it kind of mentality, which is what you're saying. You're saying, you know what, go in, play around, test this out, see how you feel. And then you're going to want to know more. You're going to want to dive in more. And I definitely appreciate that. I also really like that, you know, you're coming in with this legal background and acknowledging that you can't do it all yourself. You need these developers and the developers, they can't do it all themselves either because it's exactly what you were saying. You know, there's different pieces to this entire thing and you all have to really collaborate and work together to see what is the end user seeing and getting and kind of work that. And so I, I, I'm very impressed by by you and, and what you're what you're doing. I think it's very exciting. Um, and I want to ask you, so what you were saying earlier, you said, you know, that this will be here in five years and that, you know, I guess you're just really a, you're ahead of the curve, with it, which is awesome. But it does lead me to wonder, what are the trends? What is it going to be like in five years? Do you think more people will be doing this? Do you think you'll have to sort of shift your your platform a bit? Um, where are these trends in technology? Wh what do you think on on them? So I really think that starting from a, a core of needing to do practical research but, uh, on your judge, your counsel, your case type is, is essential. And I think that, you know, we start out early there. You come from lawyers, you know, historically and, and rightly so have had the assumption that the state is just not available, that it would be great, but we don't have it. So we start on Lexis and that's how we go. So Early on, the adopters are getting a massive competitive advantage, right? They're in and they're able to sort of have unilateral access to data that maybe opposing counsel doesn't have yet. As we continue to move forward in the same way that it is really sort of a, a cost of doing business to have access to Lexis and Westlaw and Court of Appeals data, I see it as becoming industry standard to get your judge. And the first thing you do is see if they've ruled on your case dispositive issue in the past. Like These are core of needing to be a zealous advocate for your client that the, it's not particular, it's not cost prohibitive. 
the data is available, the technology is available. So we're only moving towards an, you know, wider industry adoption. And then from there, I see that as a core of, you know, it will be, you allow Lexus and Westlaw to continue to own sort of court of appeal space, but Trellis really owns the trial court space, whether you're looking for records or analytics or information that the industry knows that this is where you can go to access data. Um, and then that opens us up to be able to do all of the incredible analytics on top of it. So we're really at sort of version one of the types of analytics that Trellis is going to be doing. We're moving forward later this year, we're looking at doing law firm and lawyer analytics, all mapped by with their actual data, their cases, where are they litigating? Um, same thing with court, large corporations, where are they getting sued by whom, who's their counsel? All of this information is there, but it's never been surfaced and visualized in a way that anyone could really utilize it. So now that technology data and everything has really come to the right place at the right time, um, I think there's going to be a massive shift in the way we think about legal research. And it's not only court of appeals research anymore. It needs to be a combination where sure, it's great to know on an academic level, what we think court of appeals law should be. Practically speaking, what are the trial court judges applying right now? And it may not be what we want, but let's know that going into it and it will just make you a better advocate. Well, Trellis Research, everyone should go check it out. Um, it seems really exciting and kind of uh, essential if you're in the legal and legal tech world. So, yeah, everyone should check it out. Nicole, thank you so much for, for coming on and kind of digging into it with, all, with us. Such a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. just talked to Nicole Clark from Trellis Research. What were your tech takeaways? I love the whole Google search for what she's doing. It's so unique. And I don't think enough people are doing things like that. I honestly, I had never heard of a platform that does what she does. It's very, very different. I am a little biased in loving the like, you know, female CEO, like running it up and doing it differently. And and I also appreciate that, you know, she's been in the different fields. And so it's not just we're starting this because I want to do it. It's having the right people with the right knowledge in the different areas all working together. Um, so I think it's going to be exciting. I'm excited to see what the next few years come with with what she's doing and when more competitors come out. Yeah. And, and I think, like you said, that she has had experience, um, from a crucial part of the equation, uh, that it helps her so much. And like she even said during the interview, like where she isn't, you know, an expert, she can, she knows like who to go to and all of that. And I think that really helps her and helps the business as they continue to grow it. But it kind of just wants me, it makes me kind of want to just like search, like just for fun. Like, Ooh, what is this judge? Like, it, it does seem <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, how was that? What is, what really happened? Let's kind of, it's like a Yelp 
but like in the legal world. And I'm like, oh, I love that. That should be a feature that they that <laughs> she <laughs> adds. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I also want to like, rate a- my professor, except rate my Ooh, judge. Rate my that's so good. Nicole, um, you should do that. Just shout out to you adding that feature. Also, I do want to say that we've had a lot of people on the show and we are very casual. Like I'm wearing a tank top right now. We're not dressed like, you know, super business all the time. Um, and we try to make it a very relaxed environment. But I will say that she showed up ready to go. Like, I feel like she even like the environment there is because no one can see this. And I just want to tell you, there was like this plant hanging in the back. If it she was- were on Room Raider, she would have gotten yeah minimum eight out of ten. Yeah, minimum. I like, but I, I would have given her. Yeah. 10 for the setup. Yeah. She had the plant. She had good lighting. Yeah. It was almost like she could do we anything. should put this on video, except we looked like trash. Yeah, we can't so. because we don't. Yeah. I had yeah. just gotten up from a nap. So we were, we were also late. We made her wait, which was rude of us. It was the first it was time. It was very we, rude. And we, we feel very sorry. Yeah. Nicole. So we just want to personally apologize to you, Nicole, and to the whole we're world listening. Everybody, we're telling everybody. We, we want to be 100% yeah. transparent about mm-hmm. this. Wasn't our best. Everybody, the truth That's behind true. Behind the scenes at that tech pod, we were late. We <laughs> and were. You were a champ. So and thank you, you. You were great. So, yeah, everyone should definitely reach out to Nicole Clark, Trellis Research. She will show up on time and she will be the business. So, do it. But if you still are interested in us, even though we may not be on time and we are working on ourselves and our attire, Reach out to us. You can check us out on our website, www.thattechpod.com. You can send us a personal email at thattechpod at gmail.com. You can check us out on LinkedIn. Uh, that's right. That tech pod, LinkedIn, something. You'll find it. Just, you know, search up there. Um, Just Google yeah. it on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. You'll find us. And if you don't, well, you know, you're missing out. Uh, Gabby, where can they listen to us? Where, where can they hear us? Basically, anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, you can listen to us, uh, just like you can probably listen to this thunder that's happening uh, right outside of my my door here. Thunderstorm is rolling in. Um, But you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, uh, Pocket Cast, virtually anywhere. And you can also rate us and review us because it helps the algorithm. It helps the tech you know, it helps when people find us when they're looking for tech podcasts themselves. We pop up. Uh, we're more likely to pop up if you give us a nice rating and review. With that being said, though, if you don't live in the U.S., Apple will not let us see your review unless we change it to like Canada or U.K. or wherever you're located. So if you're feeling like you want to reach out to Apple to complain about this crazy feature that we should be able to see every comment and view and you should as well, wherever you're located, you should reach out to Apple. And we're just saying we are working on it.